Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Hello, and welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast. My name is Topher Morrison, sitting in for Dan as he is in a very cheap witness protection program. His name has become Jorge. He's living in the Maldives. Sorry, I'm being told that I was not supposed to share that information. So forget what you just said. I'm sitting in for Dan Bradbury. He is actually prepping for the Ultimate Entrepreneur Contest coming up June 22nd and 23rd. Tickets still available. If you are interested in coming, you can either sit in the program live or you can tune in via Zoom as well. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest on the Dan Bradbury podcast. His name is Alistair Broom. He is the owner and managing director of Garage Flex, and he is one of the contestants in The Ultimate Entrepreneur, one of the contestants I'll be interviewing here before the actual competition begins. So you're going to be able to get a sneak preview as to um, how he's survived, not even just survived, but how he's thrived in the pandemic. We're going to talk to him about how he pitches his company, what he specifically did in order to excel during the pandemic, and with a little bit of luck, maybe we'll be able to pick up some tips and tricks from Alistair as well. So having said that, let's just get started right into the program so we can dedicate as much time to him as possible. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Alistair Broom from Garage Flex. Alistair, welcome to the program, my friend. It's good to see you. Thanks very much, Topher. Good to see you too. Yes, I'm excited to be able to meet you in London. Uh, actually, I think it's going to be in Warwick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, June 22nd, 23rd, you're going to be one of the competitors in the Ultimate Entrepreneur. 10,000 pounds on the line, so that's pretty cool. Um, but I will say this, 10,000 pounds, that ain't nothing compared to what you've been doing this past year. You've bus- You've almost doubled your business despite the pandemic. So uh, before we get into those strategies, which I definitely want to get into, I'd love to know how you pitch your business. So when somebody says, what do you do for a living? What do you tell them? Um, Thanks, Topher. I tell them that we, as Garage Flex, we design and install garage organization and storage systems to go into the garage in the private home. So we make it into a great room that they can use for whatever purpose they wish, be it keeping a car, using as a gym, playroom, whatever their purpose. We give them a great garage. Excellent. And you have plenty of before and after shots that I've seen on your website. We'll put that up on the screen as well. So if somebody wants to check out your services and what you do, you've got some really impressive before and after case studies there as well. Um, Let's talk about uh, the pandemic. So what kind of numbers were you doing pre-pandemic? Business was going well, correct? Yes. I mean, I started this in 2015 as a rebranded business, uh, and we've been growing slowly, uh, which is why I joined Dan's mastermind group. I wanted to accelerate it. So we were going okay, and then the pandemic hit. And we actually had a challenge at that time because we had quite a strong order book. So we had about two months' work built up, which we were contracted to do. But when the pandemic hit... Did they pull out? Sorry. When you were contracted to do that, did you have people canceling on you, or was was that work still good? Uh, That work, I hoped, was still good. Uh, The first thing we did... When we realized on March, well, March 23rd is when shutdown started. Mm-hmm. We actually closed our office a week before because we kind of knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And so we, 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 we closed the office. 
um, we'd relocated to our homes and we started talking to all our customers. And I think the most important thing we did right away was communicate with the customers, tell them this was happening. They were all very understanding and we just kept communicating with them while we were shut down in the early stages. All right, I want to dig a little bit deeper. You you didn't wait, like most people did, to go virtual when it was mandated. You anticipated, thought it was going to be happening, but instead of just pushing on, you actually got about a week's jump on that one. Let's talk about that. What was your logic behind doing it early versus waiting until? Because I think it's actually, it's pretty impressive, right? That you sit there and said, okay, well, let's make sure that we get this done right away. What was the what was the thinking behind doing it early? Uh, well, I think if people remember back, there was a lot of talk about, are we going to be shut down? Is there going to be lockdown? What's going to happen? We just, we, we felt, I talked it over with the girls in the office and they all had young families. Uh, they had school kids to look after. Mm. We just felt it would be more appropriate to get stuck into working at home, yeah. close the office, but keep the installation team working while we could, and then take a view uh, while that happened. We had a lot of changes we had to make because we weren't geared up to work at home. Yeah. And we, yes, we all use our mobile phones, but the office was the hub of all our work. Mm. So we, we, we had to prepare ourselves a little bit. Well, let's so, talk, let's so talk numbers. What kind of revenue were you doing pre-pandemic? So just to get for, so, so the viewers and listeners can get an idea of what kind of stress levels you were dealing with. What were you doing in terms of revenue before the pandemic hit? Our revenue up until pandemic was around 800, 820,000 a year. Right. Um, we had one installation team out full time and another one part time. That's no and joke. We had, you had probably, I'm guessing, with the installation team and your staff, you're looking at what, maybe 10, 15 employees? How many do you have? Uh, we were we were uh, nine people in total nine. before the pandemic. Got it. Yeah. 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 So we furloughed. We furloughed as soon as that announcement came out. We furloughed everybody except our marketing team. Uh-huh. We kept them going because I'm a firm believer that you keep marketing going. Oh, let's and- stop there, by the way, because I, I, one thing that a lot of companies do when things get tough is they cut the first two things that most companies will cut is their training and development and their marketing, which makes no sense to me, but that's obviously because I've dedicated my life to marketing and training and development, I suppose. But uh, so it's interesting that you kept your marketing team up and running because you wanted to, to try to keep to fill that pipeline as much as possible. Did the business dry up? Did it slow down or did it keep going? No, it kept going big time. We kept the marketing going for two reasons. One, I'm a big fan of marketing and I think you have to do it as much as you possibly can within your budget. But also in the in the couple of months before the pandemic hit, so around December, January time, we'd actually stood back and had reviewed our a lot of our processes. But crucially, we'd we'd examined who our customers are, and we completely rewrote the profiles of our customers, how we would get hold of them, and what language we should speak to get hold of them. Mm. So we we'd done all that work. We wanted to encapsulate that, so we we kept it going. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it actually meant that we stayed very busy and became busier almost two weeks after pandem- after lockdown. Wow. Did you change uh, we- your pitch at all? Because I would also imagine you've got people that are home now all the time, so they want to make sure that they are keeping themselves busy. I could see a lot of people wanting to do like a DIY home improvement, which probably wouldn't interest you. So did you have to modify or change your pitch in any way? Yes, big time, uh, big time. And this was one of my big learning curves. Um, I've always, I've been in property all my life, and I've always relied on going to see people in their home, eyeball them, shake their hands, 
So they've got a comfort level. They know who they're talking to and who they're dealing with. So every single person we've signed up since I started this business, we have visited their house. I've flown to Scotland to see people. I've flown to the south of France to see people. I've driven to Durham and Cornwall. So we've we've traveled everywhere. Suddenly we're locked down. You thought that was a necessary ingredient to close the sale. You had to meet with them in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was... I was rigid in that, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't shift my belief in that. So, oh, I love this. So now, so so now, uh, pandemic hits, and obviously, you can't go to people's homes, nor would you even want to, I suppose. And your sales went up. Yes, um, yeah, they went up. We we one of the early things we did was we developed what we called a virtual uh, design presentation, VDP. Mm-hmm. So that was all done thanks to the new word that came into our lives, which was Zoom. <laughs> So we use Zoom, we use WhatsApp, we use FaceTime, and we developed a form that's online. We sent it to people, they filled it in, they sent the photographs. We then FaceTimed them, met them, walked around their garage with them from yeah. our remote, yeah. and we drew up the presentation, we dropped the plans, we priced everything, and surprise, surprise, they all loved it, and they, they signed up. They signed up without a sink, and they signed up while we were still closed and we couldn't install. How mind-shifting had that have been for you as a business owner to think, this is a necessary ingredient, we have to do this, and then all of a sudden, because of circumstances outside of your control, it forces you to come up a new way that almost worked. Would you say it works better or equal? It works better. I mean, I'm a stubborn old goat. I wasn't going to change my ways after 40-odd years. But within a flash, I had to change it. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have we'd have we'd have shut down. We did a big cash review. We realized that we could probably keep going for about about 60, 60 to seventy days uh-huh. if business dried up and we couldn't get out. So we had to get out, and, and that's the way we did it. Yeah, so, and we still do it today. So, so now my question for you then then becomes: post pandemic, we're looking. I think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Life starting to return back to normal. Slower for some countries, um, but UK is doing good. You're you're going to be getting out of your your second phase, I believe. I think it's June 21st, if I'm not mistaken. By the way, which is why Dan is doing his program on June 22nd, 23rd. So if you want to go to the event, you will be able to, and we'll put the information up on the screen. So if you're interested, you can uh, register for that. So uh, post pandemic, now uh, life's getting back to normal. Are you going to go back to in person consultations, or are you going to stay virtual from now on? We're doing a combination of both, Topher. We we actually have a qualifying process in the office. Mm-hmm. So anyone who makes a contact with us, we qualify them, as we always have done. Then it depends where they live. If they're more than about an hour away, we will always do a VDP. Interesting. If they're closer than that, we'll often do a VDP first, and then we'll go and see them just to sign up if they want to. Sure. But there's a high percentage, over 50% of our business is still done without seeing people. Right. So we've learned from that and we're carrying on doing that. Does this, um, it, will this be able to expand your business to where you, you don't even have to be geographically limited? Will you be able to find contractors all around the world that could actually do a garage refitting if they had the training to where you could perhaps even go beyond just your regional area? I know you hit all of the UK right now, yeah? Yeah, we'll, we'll stay UK based, but we, we've done a lot more work up in Scotland and the northwest of England and the northeast. We've done, we've done, you won't be familiar with the sport, but we've done two of the England cricket team who are based up in the Northeast. Uh-huh. Um, we've never met them. I've spoken to them several times on WhatsApp yeah. and they're very happy customers. So we can, we can do that. We have a very good installation team who are based up in the North 
And so they've been traveling all around that part of the country. So, yeah, we can have other installers in different parts of the country now, and we can manage it all. It's interesting that you don't think I would know anything about cricket. I'm assuming that's because I'm an American and you're just naturally assuming I know nothing about cricket. I would be completely offended right now if it weren't for the fact that you're 100% accurate, Alistair. So good guess on that one. You're right. I'd be clueless. I wouldn't know any of that. Thank you, I sat in a boardroom on Long Island and tried to explain it. So I, I, I'm familiar with the problem. This is how you tell an American what cricket is. You say, it's, it's like baseball, but even longer, way longer. <laughs> Like and can be drawn. Longer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And can be drawn after yeah, five days. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> All right, listen, Alistair. So let's talk numbers again. You were doing. A, I think you said you're doing roughly around 800k uh, annual pre-pandemic. Uh, the pandemic hit. You looked at your cash flows. You said you had about a 60, 70 day window before uh, business would dry up. But thankfully, that didn't happen. You pivoted. You found a new way to present your material, and sales actually increased. What are you doing now? We're online this year to do between 1.7, 1.8 million. If um, we keep going at the rate we're going right now. That's great. Now let's talk about that rate. How much of that do you think is just the very fact that because people are at home, they're focusing on their 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 homes more, and so this is interest. Do you do you sense that post pandemic you actually might get a reverse kickback to where now all of a sudden people don't care about their garages anymore because they're not home as much and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Have you have you found a way to or anticipate that so you you, you don't feel a decline? Well, I think there's two points. Firstly, I think we've broken through the barrier. Mm-hmm. The garage organization industry is not well known in this country, not like in the States. No. It's, it's not well known, but we've begun to break through and we've done quite a lot of work with influencers on social media and we've we've had a, a good track record. We've got a healthy pipeline right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the work we've done has been because, yes, people have been sitting at home and they've um, had time on their hands. They've had a bit of money on their hands. They haven't been on their holidays. Yes. But I think that's going to carry on now because people see the value on it. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're keeping that on track and we're keeping our installation side very busy. The other thing that we, we're now in a stronger position because um, once you've got a better turnover, better profit, better cash balance. Your balance sheet's looking stronger, so we've got better credit terms. It's also allowing us to invest in e-commerce. So we're putting together an e-commerce package that will allow people to do it themselves. And so we're going to tackle both sides of that market. Fantastic. Um, I I think uh, if, if people listening or watching this broadcast, they're sitting at home or they're sitting in their office and they're wondering, how they can apply some of the strategies that you use. What kind of advice would you give an entrepreneur who might be struggling a little bit right now, still feeling the effects? They, you know, they look at you and they go, man, he's doubled his revenue. We've lost ours. What kind of advice would you give somebody who's maybe not on the positive side of COVID, but on the negative side of COVID? I think it's a very difficult one. It's very challenging. And you know, we, we, we are in a strong market at the moment, but I have, I have family, I have friends who are in a really tough industry. So, I think, firstly, we have to acknowledge that we, we've been in a lucky space. Yeah. But I, I'm long enough in the tooth to have been through four recessions in my life. The first one, I was in a corporate environment, and it screwed up big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took weeks and weeks to make decisions. Uh, so my advice is, as soon as you hit a tough time, review straight away. Look at your cash. Look at where you can make any savings. Look at what you should be doing mm-hmm. to keep your business going and do it fairly quickly. 
Mm. And I, I say that today because, trust me, uh, this is my fourth. Some people listening to this will never have seen anything like this before. Yeah. You will see it again in your lifetime. Sure. It may be a banking crisis. It may be a property crash. It may be. It will happen again. So learn and remember what you're doing now. Yeah. And then it, everybody, everybody who's got their own business has a passion for their own business. Mm-hmm. I got into this because I have always worked in property. I have a passion for property. And it'll stay with me till I go. So keep your passion going. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on all your costs. And the one thing that Clive Woodward, great rugby coach, said, if you look at 100 things that you do and you can improve each one of them by 1%, you'll be doing a far better job than trying to go for the big 100% in one area. Indeed. So we looked at every little thing, like turn the heating down one degree, find a cheaper way to put fuel in your tank, uh, buy timber a little bit cheaper. All those things you look at and just try and save 1% here, 1% there, yeah. and you'll find that that does make a big, big difference. You know, and but be decisive. You know what's interesting about that is that those are practices that we as entrepreneurs should be doing anyway, but sometimes we need a swift kick in the butt from a pandemic to have us actually go through with a fine-tooth comb and look at our numbers and go, well, okay, where we've been getting a little bit sloppy here, where we been getting a little sloppy there. And it is so yeah. it, it's interesting that you say that because it's probably just good practice all the time for us to do that, but it's so easy for us to get a little comfortable when we don't do it. Good. Yeah, good. that's right. And that I think, I mean, a lot of things I hear, a lot of things Dan says, I keep thinking, wow, I've been told that before. But yeah, that's a good reminder. Let's bring it forward in the mind. The other thing that I think is absolutely crucial, and we got a lot of good feedback from this, is communicate. Communicate left, right, and center. Um, Every every one of our customers who they didn't know if we were going to come in six weeks' time because we told them, we told them we will not be coming, but we will. And we, we talk to them every single week through that close down. Yeah, that's a, that's a great lesson because I think a lot of times in business, when the conversations get crucial and they get difficult, a lot of entrepreneurs tend to avoid them. And I've I've always believed that bad bad news is always better than no news. And if you got to give them bad news, it's better to just give it to them than just avoid it because it just creates so much more um, uh, ill will and, and bad vibes. That's really that's, that's a good feed, a good, yeah. good lesson and, for us and, as well. And also the other thing about bad news. If you don't, if you don't sort it out straight away, it grows every day. Yeah, it does. It tends to grow. Alistair, let me ask you this: People are listening to the podcast or they're watching the show. Um, let's let's get you some business here, right? So, if people want to get to know you and get to know a little bit more about your business, they can go to garageflex.co.uk. Right? We'll put that up on the screen so people can check that out. Uh, we'll also put your phone number up there as well. Um, give us a little quick uh, summary in terms of what is your ideal customer. If, if we could broadcast out to the perfect customer, who would that be? Because they just might be listening or watching right now. Yeah, our, our typical customers, we always used to say it's cash-rich, time-poor people who, who appreciate quality yeah. and want to have their garage looking as, as nice as the rest of the house. Developers in this country have a habit of giving you a garage that has got three walls and a concrete floor and it's all dusty. And they say, there you go. Yeah. We've actually developed our process. So we we realized that any homeowner who's got a garage, and note how I say that to yes. anyone who's got a garage, garage, they they <laughs> they 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 have got potential to be customers of ours. Yeah. We we started off with our garage flex quality range. Mm-hmm. We brought in an essentials range. That's low cost. So low cost can get in and we can do it or they can do it themselves. That's great. Uh, high cost, we'll do it for them. We'll design it. We'll install it. 
They can enjoy it. We've given them a new garage in three to five days. So it's a homeowner who's got space and wants to make that garage a good, usable space for whatever purpose. Yeah, that's, that's our customer. Excellent. Awesome. Well, listen, Alistair, I look forward to meeting you June 22nd and 23rd at the Ultimate Entrepreneur Competition. For those of you watching the show or listening in and you'd like to learn more about this, we'll put the website up on the screen, but you can go check out Dan, Br- Dan Bradbury's uh, program. It's going to be June 22nd, 23rd in Warwick. Uh, I'll be there. Alistair's going to be there. He's going to be competing for 10K. Uh, looking forward to having everybody there. Alistair, thank you so much for being here on the show today. I appreciate you and congratulations on your success and God bless and continued uh, success in the future. Pleasure. Pleasure, Trevor. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Take care, my friend. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners. 